Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Welcome once again to the beginning of December, the month where we can wear any colors we want as long as we call it festive. Right? So this is one more reminder that, uh, that next week is going to be Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday. You do not want to miss that. And let me uh, you, you just consider yourself forewarned that if you do not do well next Sunday, I will be compelled to wear this for the whole service, for the whole message, which can be hard on the eyes. And so, so that's just a warning. We want to have you wear your great ugly sweaters, and I will only wear this for the beginning of of this service. Okay, so this is my little gift to you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. My little gift to you and your eyes. So this morning, we are talking about upcoming episodes in life and preparing for them. My wife and I are very different in terms of preparing for upcoming events and specifically vacations and trips where we would go out, where we would go places. My wife's very good at preparing for trips. She will, well ahead of time, she will have a little pile of, she's little, and so she has a little pile of clothes for each day of the trip, and they'll be set aside each day. We'll have the set of clothes uh, lined up there. She'll also have her just-in-case bag that has items for when things get stopped up or flow too freely or whatever's happening, and she'll have band-aids, and she'll have rubber bands, and she'll have a bicycle tire tube because you never know what's going to happen when you're on vacation. So, so my wife is very prepared for such events. I, on the other hand, not so much. And so it's a very different thing in our home as we're preparing for these kinds of trips. For example, let me just tell you, a number of years ago, this is actually before I was married, I had the opportunity to teach at a college in Kenya, Africa for a semester. That's actually where I met my wife, but I was there for a whole semester. And the way I set this thing up, I didn't have any money. I was a seminary student. And, and so the way I set this up is that I did a layover in Paris on the way back for one week. It didn't cost any more to just stay for a week in Paris, and I've always wanted to see Paris, and so that was, that was, the, that was the plan. I spent my semester in Kenya, and then it, it, it wasn't until I was at De Gaulle Airport, just outside of Paris, with my bag of souvenirs, my backpack, and about $100 available to me. It wasn't until, this is just you enter into my brain a little bit here. It truly wasn't until I was at the airport that I thought, oh, wait a minute. I don't have a plan. I have no place to stay. I have no idea what I'm going to do for a week. I remember, I remember specifically sitting on the bench at the airport and just thinking, Zutalo. This is how you say a problem. Uh, and and I, was, I was in big uh, trouble there. What, what am I going to do? Am I going to just sleep uh, in, a, in a park uh, bench somewhere? Am I going to sleep at the airport? Am I going to uh, contact the, the airline and, and change my flight and the whole kind of deal? Uh, I, I'm not as good at preparing for things like that. And so what we're talking about today is how are we preparing for the upcoming episodes of life? We're in the series that we've been calling One Season, and the idea is to imagine your life is one season of a TV show. The way that TV shows are 
are uh, developed now is that there's a story that happens in each episode and there's a grand story that covers the whole season. Your life is a grand story that, that right now, this is one episode, whether it's going well or not, this is just one episode in your story. So what we've been talking about in previous weeks is, is we first talked about the final episode. How do you want the story to end? It's so wise to begin with the end in mind. Where are we going with, with our own, with our lives, with the, the beats of, of our heart that God has given us? And then we talked about our previous episodes. We can't understand where we are today without looking back on our family of origin, the mistakes we've made, the things that we've learned, etc. That shapes who we are today. Last week we talked about our current episode that the best way to measure how things are going in our current episode is to look at our heart above all else. Guard your heart. Then today we're talking about the next episodes. We already looked at the final episode, but this morning we're talking about the upcoming episodes, the episode ahead of you, two or three in front of that. Maybe this is a season of change for you. Maybe you're brand new in Phoenix, new job, new home, and this is a new story for you. This is, this is a new episode for you, or you know something like that is about to happen, some big change that you're a part of, you're making some decisions right now that are gonna change your upcoming episodes. If that's not the case, all of us have something around the corner that we're not aware of. Some change, something's gonna happen. And so in these upcoming episodes, the issue is, are you prepared? What can we do today in our current episode to prepare us for upcoming episodes? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you once again for the beautiful story of of humanity and that we get to play a part in that story, that our lives are a part of your grand, epic, amazing story. So Father, I pray that you would um, help us to see today what would be helpful for the upcoming episodes. We don't know what's around the corner, but you do, and you love us and you want us to be ready. We pray this in your son's name, amen. There's a huge difference between being prepared and not being prepared. My wife and I are just an example of that. There's a huge difference between being prepared and not being prepared. Many of you remember the storm of 2014, the thousand-year rain that gathered water in Ahwatukee that all went toward Mountain Park Church uh, on Pecos Road. It was just all went toward one location and gave a half a million dollars damage to our old church. Many of you remember that. But what you probably don't remember or are less likely to remember was that a week and a half after that thousand year rain, there was another storm with just as much water that came a week and a half after that. So mathematically, I guess it's more like a 500 year rain because two storms happened within the 500 year, okay. Uh, so you may not remember the second storm because we didn't suffer significant damage. The difference is, the simple difference is, we were not prepared for the first storm. We were prepared for the second storm. We had sandbags around. We created a path for the water to flow away from our church, and so we were fine for the second storm. There's a huge difference between being prepared and not being prepared. 
that a good coach for any sport is going to prepare the athletes for what's to come going to prepare the athletes for the different scenarios that's going to be in front of them. And they're running in a different place, or they're riding a bike in a different place, or they're going to prepare themselves for the team that they're about to defend and their strengths and weaknesses, etc. A good coach is prepared for what's ahead. A good commander is, is, is prepared and helps prepare the troops for what is ahead of them. There's a huge difference between being prepared and not being prepared. We've learned this our whole lives in terms of our finances, that it's wise to be prepared for the future, to start investing a little bit when you're young, and that will create huge dividends for us when we get older. We all know that. We just so often don't do it. But the wisdom is there. The wisdom is poured into us. Be prepared. Plan for those future episodes. Plan. Think about future episodes. It's wise to be prepared in terms of our relationships that many of us here in this room are, are sitting here with some relational regrets because we didn't do something in the past in a relationship that we wish we had done. Maybe somebody has, has passed on and we did not take the opportunity to say to them what we wish we had said to them. And so the reality there, the wisdom there is, let's, let's do some things now. Let's say what we want to say. Let's enjoy our kids now. Let's not let this time slip away from us so that we look back with regret on this time. But instead, we, we relationally make the most of our time here. There's a huge difference between being prepared and not being prepared. And being prepared is always better. I never want my wife to hear me say that. If you tell her that I said that here this morning, I will deny it and be angry with you. But, but the reality is that being prepared is always better. It's always wiser. I want to take a look at uh, some verses in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. After Jesus ascended into heaven, Paul was a guy in the, in the first century who became a leader in the church, and he essentially was a coach to these new believers, these new followers of Christ, helping them understand what it means to prepare for upcoming episodes, for things that were happening uh, ahead of them in their lives. So Paul wrote to a number of different churches, and one of the cities that he wrote to was Ephesus, and, and that's why this uh, book is referred to as, as the book of Ephesians. It was a letter that Paul wrote. And I want to take a look at a section at the very end of this letter, Ephesians chapter 6, at the end of this letter, Paul writes this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, these verses where Paul talks so clearly and directly about, about the idea of spiritual warfare, that there is something going on that we cannot see, are a pretty divisive concept in the church, among believers, among those who are trying to figure out what this story is all about and who Jesus is. Because on the one hand, there's a lot of clarity throughout Scripture that there is such a thing as a devil, that there is an enemy, that there is someone who hates you and wants to sabotage your relationship with God. There's evidence 
not just in, in one or two places in Scripture, but, but many times throughout Scripture that Jesus has interactions with demons. He casts out demons. He refers to, uh, to you know, the enemy as the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And then we have C.S. Lewis from a few decades back who's, who's no dummy in, in any circle who believed very strongly in the existence of some kind of spiritual power, some kind of supernatural entity. And he wrote a, a book called Screwtape Letters, which is the whole book is about the devil's schemes, as Paul talks about here in, in these verses. And so there's, there's some, certainly some credibility to that. But then on the other hand, when you think about the devil, et cetera, it's just, it's kind of goofy. It's, it's kind of like kids stuff. It's Halloween, it's fairy tale kind of stuff. Is it you really think that that's true? That we can embrace the idea of a creator God who created, who designed everything, but the idea that there's a, a devil, a demons walking around, it's, it's just kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. Uh, there have been, uh, you know, uh, many uh, arguments and disagreements, you know, how, how, what, is this, what does this look like? And, and, and the whole, the whole uh, you know, we can have uh, conversations with people uh, as, as, as a follower of Christ. I can have an intelligent conversation. We as adults uh, can have intelligent conversations about, about uh, uh, science and, and politics and, and uh, uh, theology, etc. But as soon as we start talking about powers of this dark world, as Paul talks about here, then we might as well give details about our alien abduction uh, because it's, we're just gonna kind of lose people with all of this. It's just a, it's a tricky balance here. There is a lot of mention of it in scripture and yet it just kind of feels goofy, which, is, which makes me so thankful for a gift that God gave us in 1999. It was the gift of the movie, The Matrix. Because this movie is such a great metaphor for the reality of, of this, that, that we can take the blue pill and just pretend that none of this stuff is going on. And we just, we just keep on doing our lives and interacting with one another and even trying to pursue God or whatever that looks like and just pretend there, there isn't any, that I don't wanna see the world that way. Or we can take the red pill and just open our eyes to how much this is found in scripture and to the reality that there's something going on in the world around us, that we are at war. There is a battle going on here. I think the matrix was a gift from God. The, the second and third movies were not from God. They, <laughs> they were from the Wachowski brothers and God had nothing to do with those. But, but the first one was clearly from our creator. So. Paul here in these verses, he, he says that, that um, uh, the enemy, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so it, the, the struggles that we have in our upcoming episodes and the things that, that, that make life so hard, it's not about me against you. Our struggles are not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your spouse. It's not your ex-spouse. It's not your parents, it's not your boss, it's not your coworker, it's not the president of the United States, it's not Russia, that our struggles are not against flesh and 
blood, as I talked about a number of weeks back, as, as a part of this wisdom journey. I said that when, when we're interacting with one another and we're disagreeing and we're having a conflict with one another, if I win and you lose, if I crush you, then we lose because my battle is not against you. You are not my enemy. You are my ally against an enemy who is prepared for the upcoming episodes. An enemy who is prepared. So the question is here today, whether you think it is true or you think it is goofy, are you prepared for the upcoming episodes, for efforts that the enemy may make to attack you, to sabotage you? Because many things that happen to us, they're not by accident. In my belief, I've taken the red pill. There is an enemy who wants to get in the way of you and your relationships with, with each other and your relationship with God. Paul continues in verse 13, he says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. That when the day of evil comes, when, when the upcoming episodes happen, we don't know what's around the corner, but when those things happen, you can be prepared for them. When is a soldier going to put on armor? Is a soldier going to put on armor in the middle of battle or before they enter into battle? You, you, you're going to do it before, but you've got to prepare for the battle. Do you put on shoulder pads and a jersey and a helmet in the middle of the game? Or do you put them on before you get to the game so that you are prepared. Once the battle starts, once the game starts, it's too late. You, you, you were supposed to have prepared before the event happens. When you're sitting at an airport in De Gaulle, it's too late. At that moment, it's too late to start to think, oh, I should have planned for this, I should have thought of this, I should have called somebody, etc. It's too late. When you're, when you're driving behind the wheel and you're halfway home, and you had too much to drink, it's too late at that moment to think, ooh, I wish I had done something different to prepare for this episode. When the two of you are alone in the hotel, it's too late. When you get that call from someone that, that someone you care about has passed away, it's too late to have that conversation. It's too late to tell that person what they meant to you. It's too late to say what you needed to say to that person. What can we do today in order to prepare for tomorrow? I have found in my life something that I've tried to explain a couple other times on different Sundays throughout the years, and I'm just not sure it has ever really translated well, so I'll try once again. But I have found that my current self is way stronger than my future self. That, that the me right now in this current episode, when it comes to what's around the corner and what temptations may happen, I'm stronger now than I will be in the middle of the issue. That now is the time when I can think about, okay, what, what would God want for this? What really is the best thing for me and my family and my future and, and my kids and my kids' kids, et cetera? Right now I can think about that stuff. I can think about who I truly want to be. 
Right now, in my current self, is when I can delete apps that are not helpful or that are damaging. Right now is when I can set up restrictions in my life that prepare me for possibilities in the future. But my future self, my upcoming episode self, is not quite as strong when we're in the middle of the issue. My, my future self is often distracted, lazy, selfish, and short-sighted. My current self is the one that has access to the armor and gets to decide, am I gonna put the armor on or not? My future self does not have access to the armor because, because he's in the middle of the game, in the middle of the battle, and wishes he could have the armor. What can we do today to prepare for tomorrow? Paul then, in, in, the next, in the next verses, he goes on to explain, to talk through six different elements of armor. Now, before you, before you read ahead or look at them, before we put them on the screen, for those of you who are unfamiliar with these six elements of, of the armor, I'm gonna walk through them very briefly in just a moment. If you are familiar with them, and you already, you've heard this, you've read this many times, et cetera, just before you look, before you read, before you look at the, at the words on the page, just in your, in, your, in your, not out loud, but just in your own head, do any of the pieces of armor stand out for you? Do any of them, what's the first one that you think of just in your, in your head, in your mind? Why? Why did that one surface for you? What makes that one important? Why did that one surface for you? Is that one that you are actually best at? Or is that one that you need the most? Which one popped into your head? Okay, let me, let me just look at these, these six elements real briefly here. Verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Paul was from Jerusalem, which was occupied by the Romans, the whole thing was the Roman Empire, and he was writing to cities who were also in the Roman Empire. And so when Paul's writing this, he's talking about Roman soldiers and the garments that they would wear. They had a belt that had leather tassels that, or leather strips that, that, that came down the front and protected them. And the belt was more than just, just hanging, on, uh, you know, holding their, their skirt up, if you will. The belt was, was really the, the centerpiece of the whole armor, that everything was attached to the belt and everything was, was, was made firm and secure because of the belt that went around the waist. And so the belt of truth is this idea of, of what, what, what do we have everything attached to? Do, do we have the truth that we're actually attaching ourselves to or are we floating out there and figuring out everything as we roll? That that the belt of truth is this idea of we can have solid foundation that we cling to in upcoming episodes so that we are not flowing back and forth with the wind based on what this person has said and that person has said or whatever. Are we attached to something solid or are we bouncing up and down like a small boat on the waves of the ocean? Paul continues, stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate, of course, takes care of, of this front area. It guards the heart. 
Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Your righteousness does not come from your ability to make good decisions. Your righteousness comes from God creating a new heart in you. Then we protect it above all else. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Any coach will tell you that feet that are ready are feet that are, come on coaches, that are moving, right? Feet that are ready. You don't want to be flat-footed because you're just not ready. I I played volleyball when I was in high school, and when we're ready for the serve, when we see that the server's about about ready to do it, then then you get on your toes and you start moving forward. You want to be ready. You want to have your feet moving so that you're ready to make adjustments, I found that that spiritual maturity does not lead to more and more rigidity in terms of faith. That spiritual maturity actually leads to more and more graciousness with regard to elements of faith. What I mean by this is that the gospel of peace that Paul is talking about, the gospel is we identify what the essentials are. Who is Jesus? Who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what is my relationship in there? Whom do I respond to with that? We identify the essentials of the faith, and then there are many other issues where Scripture is not quite as clear. We can hold a position. We can have a stance on these things, but we hold that position with humility. What I've found is that the the older I get, the more people that I've seen grow in their spiritual maturity, They don't get more and more rigid. They actually get more and more gracious. We are filled here in this room with people who believe different things about different issues. Let's identify the essentials that we can come together on and say, this is the essential of faith. We're not wishy-washy or weak, but with the other things where we, we are pretty sure that we hold that stuff with humility and we have conversations with one another that are honoring that we are living our lives with, with our feet re- ready to, to move and adjust and continue to learn as we continue to grow in our faith. Next verse. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrows are the burning hot temptations of life that we continue to have to endure and will be a part of our upcoming episodes. So often they have to do with sexuality. They have to do with with different things that have grabbed us in the past, different addictions that have been a part of our journey, things that have been a part of our previous episodes, and we just need to be mindful and cautious of these flaming arrows. And it it is not wise, it doesn't matter how strong seasoned, powerful you think you are, we are not to just enter into our upcoming episodes and think that we can handle the flaming arrows of life. That faith is not about handling the flaming arrows. Faith is about having a shield that protects us from them. That it's not about becoming so strong, it's about having this faith that says, says, God, I need you to protect me in my upcoming episodes from the flaming arrows that will continue to come. Paul then says in verse 17, talks about the helmet of salvation. The helmet, of course, protects the head. 
that, that we are not saved because we feel good when we come to church and we interact with other people who are also pursuing God together. We're not saved by the church experience. We're not saved by how we feel because we can feel good about ourselves and about God one day and feel terrible about ourselves and God another day. It's not about how we feel. We protect our head because we are saved by knowing that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the center of this whole story. We are saved by surrendering our life to him and making him the Lord of our life. That's the helmet of salvation. And then finally, there in verse 17, Paul talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus models how to use this weapon perfectly through his experience of the temptations in the desert. He's in the desert for 40 days and he has an encounter with with Satan, with the devil's schemes who gives him three temptations and all three times Jesus responds with the word of God. He models for us when we are tempted in our upcoming episodes, when things happen, we respond with the word of God. As it is written, Jesus says, boom, and he says, this is what the word of God says. This is what I'm clinging to. This is how I'm responding to the temptations of life. So as you consider your own weaknesses, as you consider what your upcoming episodes might look like, and so often it's recurring issues for so many of us, have you identified a verse in scripture that is a weapon against that attack? You don't have to know every verse and know, be you know, brilliant about everything or be a biblical scholar, but you can at least identify one or two verses and memorize them as a gift to yourself. Don't memorize them so you can use them on other people and, and judge other people. No, you use them so that when the episodes come, when the arrows come, that you have something ready to defend yourself. That's, that's why we memorize scripture. And, and you're, what, what our responsibility is, is to say, we're not all memorizing the same one scripture. What is a verse, what is a story that God can provide for you in light of your unique temptations and weaknesses. These six elements of the armor of God, there, there are other times where Paul will give a list of things. and I don't think ever the issue for us is to memorize what the lists are. What are the nine fruit of the Spirit? I need to make sure I know all of these. And It's not about the armor of God saying, oh, what's number three? What's number three? I can't remember number three. I think sometimes Paul writes lists and, and yes, you can know all six and that's great, but sometimes there's a general idea that Paul wants to communicate. And I think the general idea here is, is that it could all be summed up into one question. Do you know what you believe? I think that's what, what the armor is all about. It's the, the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and the, and the sword of the, of, of, of the spirit. Do you know what you believe? Because more than anything else, our beliefs shape our actions. Our actions can be informed by, shaped by efforts to... Um, uh, you know, manage, manage our, our responses, etc. But that only goes so far. It's our beliefs that truly shape our actions. If you've ever had to teach a child to brush their teeth, 
And just the, the difficulty of standing, you know, hovering over them while they're so transfixed on their faces in the mirror and, ah, and they get so easily distracted. And you say, no, focus, focus, focus. And you give them incentives and you have a little toothbrushing song and it's a toothbrushing song. And then and you do whatever you can to get them to focus and, and all of this stuff. You give them incentives and you say, you know what, when you graduate, you know, when you turn 16, if you brush your teeth, I'll give you a new car. And so you do whatever you can to kind of keep this thing moving. And you can, you know, you know, manipulate their behavior a little bit, but, but the habit doesn't kick in until they believe that healthy teeth are important. Until they believe, oh, I really gotta take care of my teeth. That the, mo- that the most significant impactful thing is, is that our beliefs affect our actions. They shape our actions. So do you believe that the truth will set you free, for example. Do you truly believe that? Not just familiar with the phrase, but actually believe that you are set free by the truth. Do you believe in the sanctity of marriage? That, That it is not just a contract that you make until things change, it is a covenant made before the Lord, because that affects how we view our marriage and how we respond to difficult seasons. Do you believe that that Jesus is with you always as he promises? With you always. Even then? Yes, even then. Do you believe that? Because it'll affect your actions. Do you believe that you have a significant role to play in God's story? That that isn't just a cute phrase that's on the cover of the journal, but that that truly is what's happening in your life. You have a role to play in God's story. Our beliefs, more than anything else, they shape our actions. So, what do you believe? Because that's what our armor is. Our armor is, is, is what we figure out in our current episodes so that we are prepared for future episodes, for upcoming episodes. It's reading and studying and having conversations with other believers and non-believers and wrestling through, how do I feel about this? What, what do I think about this? It's wrestling with our faith, not for the accumulation of knowledge. It's not, wisdom is not the accumulation of, of knowledge. It's, 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 it's landing on where we believe, what we believe in, because that's gonna shape our responses. It's gonna shape our actions so that when we experience the flaming arrows, the attacks of the enemy, the temptations, the opportunities, the challenges. In that moment, we don't have to frantically try to figure out, what do I believe? What do I believe about what's going on, about who this is, about who God is? We don't have to panic in that moment because we've already thought it through. We already have our armor on. Are you prepared? What are you doing today in terms of growing your faith to prepare for upcoming episodes tomorrow. There's a lot of options here at Mountain Park and that's what we're here for, is to continue to figure this out together. As we close, I wanna pray with you. Would you bow your head? Father, I pray that uh, you would give us clarity today in terms of uh, what it means to put on armor I know many in this room are gonna think differently about the whole idea of spiritual warfare and an enemy and 
But God, at, at the core of all of this, you want us to, to not just believe what, what someone we trust believes, but you want us to have a personal encounter with you so that we can have a firm place to stand in terms of who you are, who Jesus is, who your Holy Spirit is, and who we are before you. So God, would you, would you give us ways here at the end of this year in preparation for 2020, God, ways that we can continue to put on more armor, more confidence in terms of what we believe and who you are and that we have a role in this amazing story, we pray in the name of your son. Amen. Good to be with you guys today. Um, We have a prayer team that will gather up front. They'd love to pray with you about anything if you're interested in that. And uh, remember, next week is Ugly Sweater Week. We'll see you then.